a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Yo, what's going on, man? How you doing? Man, you guys look so much better than me. Look at I look like I'm in like a prison. Yeah, you're in like a basement. Uh, <laughs> I'm in my mom's basement with her Christmas lights. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could be in worse places, let's be honest. I could be. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Uh, look, let's get right into this. Um, multi-Grammy award-winning, diamond-selling band Train. Brand new record coming out on May 20th, entitled AM Gold. Going to be hitting the road with Jewel and Blues Traveler. Kicking off June 8th in Mansfield. 35 stops across the U.S. and A. Uh, get your tickets and you pick up this record wherever you get your music. Welcome to the show. The one, the only, and future Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. Let me throw that out there. Pat Monahan from Train. There he is. Oh. Hey, guys. Thanks for Train. thanks for that. I've, I've never been introduced as a diamond... Uh, recording artist, but that felt pretty good. Could you just say it one more time? Absolutely. One more time, and I'll use my voiceover voice. Diamond, yeah, yeah. Avo- diamond selling artist Pat oh, Monahan yeah, from yeah. Train. Like oh wow! Because <laughs> all I care about is money, and so this really hits the spot for me. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll clip that out and send it to you later for for your socials. <laughs> yeah, posterity <laughs> purposes, you know. Uh, Thank you. For, first things first. I just want to. Of course, we're going to talk about this brand new record. Uh, Drops of Jupiter celebrated this 20th anniversary last year, and yeah. of course, you infamously sang the lyrics. Van Halen is overrated. (laughs) I know, man. I got a lot of heat. It was right (laughs) when the internet was starting. So with the misinterpretation, I I was like, oh, no, no, no. Hey, whoa, I love Van Halen. And uh, that was really funny that that was the one misinterpreted or interpreted lyric. Yeah, I was reading. But he is uh, right, though. David Lee Roth Van Halen is overrated. Sammy Van Halen is, of course, better. I don't know. I know. I know Sammy really well, but. Those David Lee Roth days were pretty special. Yeah, but then oh. we got fifty-one fifty. Now, like now, those. you know what? We we just opened a can of worms here. Okay, so is it Team Dave, Team Sammy? Which is it, Pat? <laughs> or are you Team Van Halen? I'm Team Van Halen. I love Sammy Hagar. He's a friend of mine, and I love his work in Van Halen. I loved before he was in Van Halen. Like he was one of my first concerts, and I was like, this guy doesn't stop. He was running on the stage like he was. Uh, I don't like he was doing a Richard Simmons workout or something. It was wild, <laughs> but singing the entire time. You've I've never really seen been. David Lee Roth live. Uh, I've heard some things, so that I'd probably rather see him when he was younger, but I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I went to see him in Vegas, like at the last residency, and the band was great. Dave was doing the whole shtick and stuff, but man. <laughs> yeah, the shtick is the best part. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've golfed with, I golfed with Eddie a, a few times, and Eddie was the sweetest guy ever, and uh, I really miss him. I, I wish I could spend more time with him. He, he means a lot to me as a, as a musician, but also he ended up meaning a lot to me as a guy. Yeah, especially as a rock fan growing up, I mean, like getting to golf with Eddie Van Halen. I mean, that's, it must be a surreal thing, like just from a fan perspective. Yeah, you try not to talk about it. You know, when when you're with them, you don't say, "Oh my God, dude, I can't believe." You know, it's a, you don't pull the Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live. You know, <laughs> remember when you did the riff and you know. Uh, <laughs> so you just don't talk about music when you're with when you're with somebody you admire like that. You talk about golf. Yeah. Could wow. you air guitar eruption on your three wood for me? On my three wood, <laughs> I know. Wouldn't that be so funny if I was like, bro? Can you just? Yeah, I uh, I didn't do any of that. I didn't I didn't want to lose my chance to do it again. Yeah, play Panama on the wedge. Come on, do it. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's the greatest. All right, let's go. 
Yeah, look, uh, brand new record coming out, obviously. Train's been around geez, since the mid-90s at this point. Uh, I, I discovered you when I was being on the radio. I mean, like, when I first got into top, uh, Hot AC Radio in, like, 2012, Drive-By was, like, a mm. power power rotation on our station like who was and then it allowed me to go back and listen to the previous records and uh, i mean everything from drops of jubilee the first record up to this point like how do you keep it interesting and how are you how do you still basically have songs in the can yeah that that is a good question i, I think it has to do with my desire to be relevant mm. uh i you know somebody said to me once uh hey man when you're a heritage band and i was like what I don't, I don't want that. Like <laughs> oh, no. that to me was always a four letter word. And, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to rely on the past. Uh, I would love, you know, I think David Bowie is a very inspiring artist who continued to recreate who David Bowie was. And right. I, you know, look, I'm, I'm no David Bowie, but, uh, I'm, I'm my own version of whatever I can be. And I want to continue to try to reinvent what I do. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, talk talk to me about the importance of reinventing yourself, because there are a few artists that have been successful at it, whether it's Madonna or you too. They, they've been able to and, and fans sort of have this expectation that they have to grow and they have to move. But then you have other bands like ACDC that sort of just go, hey, this is where ACDC. We just do what we do. Um, why not take that approach and just say, listen, we'll play our three chords. We'll give you some power lyrics and off we go. Because we never got to be the biggest band in the world. You know, right. if, if you find a niche that is that makes you sell stadiums out all over the planet, then, yeah, stick with what you do. But if you're, uh, you know, you're you're doing well and you're selling tickets and you're creating things that your fans like and you want your fan base to grow, then you have to continue to try to grow yourself. I think, I think it, that's pretty much the best answer I could give you. That's the best answer. Um, you you got to work, of course, with Brendan O'Brien as a record producer, and he's done so many bands that are heavy, whether it's uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, etc. Talk to me about working with him and not going out and getting a more pop producer. Well, we did. Um, we right. made our first album with Meet Virginia on it. It was just called Train, and we were writing Drops of Jupiter. Drops of Jupiter, the song was not written. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, at the time, I heard a song on the radio and I looked into who the producer was. I don't care who producers are and I never have longed for it. But I asked my record company, hey, can you, can we look into Brenda O'Brien? They laughed at me and then they put us in a room with a guy called Walter A. Uh, his name is Walter Afanasiev. And he's an amazing artist. Like he's He did all the piano stuff and everything for Madonna. And that's the direction that they wanted me to go in. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we worked with Walter and as fun as it was, it got us nowhere and we weren't writing any like uh, it's just not who I am in my person. Mm. Uh, and then when we asked Brendan, uh, he had he had just booked working on a Limp Biscuit record and it fell through. Something happened between him and Fred. I don't know if it was negative or time thing, right. but he said, so my three months just opened up, so I'll do it. And so then we worked with Brendan and made uh, Drop to Jupiter. But when we handed the record in, my record company was like, I don't, there's no, there's no song here for us. Mm. Uh, and so I, my, I lost my mom and was very sad and depressed and had a dream and wrote Drop to Jupiter in 15 minutes about her and uh, handed it into Columbia Records. And they were like, man, not just did you hand us a single, but you handed us the song of the year. Wow. 
And after the song sort of becomes the song of the year and becomes so huge, when you come back with the next record, do they sort of look at you and say, uh, we're not hearing another drops. Could you could you go write one of those again for us? I mean, do, do they become a little bit more... No, diff- they, the the next single was Calling All Angels, and, and they right. felt that. They could feel that one right away. And uh, that was actually a strange song for me because... You know, all those those first four records was not a happy time in my life. I was not in a good marriage and I was, you know, not a happy person. No matter how much success would have come to me, it was not going to not going to fill the hole. Right. And mm. um, and Calling All Angels was a conversation that I had with my therapist at the time who said, you know, humans are made up of angels and traitors and and your traitors are winning. You You need to call your angels. And I was like, Boom. That sounds like something that maybe everybody should hear. Yeah, that's the message. It's interesting how you're able to take, you know, real personal experiences and then put it into the song and so many people relate to it. I mean, like being that vulnerable, it can, it, it can be daunting. Yeah, I don't I, I'm not afraid of that, though. Like, I, you know, I, I probably wouldn't run for politics because if you want to find some dirt on me, you will, because that's everybody. Right. But I don't I'm not really afraid of people seeing who I am. Like, uh, I've never been afraid of that. I, I try to do the right thing as often as I can do the right thing and uh, occasionally mess up. And if you get to see that, then that's fine. But I'm not. You know, I'm I'm not groping women or doing anything uh, that that shouldn't be done anyway. So songwriting is like that is like my real life to me. It's like mm-hmm. it's kind of boring to be honest. What is the songwriting process for you like? I mean, does it start with a couple of chords and melody, or is it like a subject matter? Because you know, I mean, a lot of times I'll hum into my iPhone and send it to my bandmates, and the yeah. next day they'll have some chords written down, and I'll write. and uh, And sometimes it's garbage, and sometimes it's a lot of fun, and it's yeah. just it's always different. Like Drops of Jupiter, as I mentioned, was me, you know, humming into a dictaphone because we didn't have iPhones and writing all the lyrics down, and then the next day demoing it. So it just doesn't it doesn't matter where it comes from, uh, wherever it's coming from. Just keep them coming. Mm-hmm. One of my you sang one of my favorite notes of all time in recorded music. Where you did the wind sweep mm. off your feet and then the delay hits the feet. <laughs> when you get that mix back and you hear the delay on your voice, like is oh yeah. Do, do you let the, do you let the uh, the mix engineer like make that artistic like you know choice and put the delay on or like do you have a say well, you in know, any of that? Uh, that was Brendan. He's very good at recording music, man. And uh, we we did that song and he uses. I don't know if he still does. I haven't seen him in many years, but he uses what's called a plate, which is right. a it's a real it's a big machine which actually reverberates inside the plate. So it's different than like a, a software app. And right. so I think that's why it sounded so beautiful. Or yeah. I mean, not to say my my voice is beautiful, but to say that that sound was so perfect for that. Oh no, it's like one of the most it's like one of the most perfect performances in recorded music. That oh that, cool, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. That, that little bit I love, it. and also talking about plates. That's also the secret to Van Halen one. Those first six records because really the, the plate at Sunset Sound they always yeah. put that on Ed's guitar and. Yep. Uh, Later and on, you know, he also said he... at Universal uh, Studios in LA, they have a an echo chamber. Yeah, right. so they'll send it down to a room that's just a hollow room to send your your. Uh, pretty cool, man. Yeah, that's how Bob Clearmountain did all that stuff before plugins. Like they put up a PA system at uh, yeah. you know at the recording studio, put it through the, the stairwell, and put mics at the bottom, and that's yeah. how you got your cannonball snare. <laughs> yeah, all the plugins are is are is uh, fake everything else. It, pretty much, yeah. 
What's the recording process for you like these days? I mean, with this record, was it sort of like the the isolation pandemic record or were you able to get into the studio and do it proper? We did both. I mean, I had to write virtually, which kind of broke my heart in the beginning. And then when we figured out how to do it and be creative and get something positive out of it, then it was like, okay, now we can move. Right. And then when we had songs, we would get together with Butch Walker and record them properly because we want to get live instruments on them. And then the one of my favorite parts was getting to uh, getting to work with Rob Mathis and having him, you know, write the the strings and the horn like those Philly sounds because he knew the he knew the sound that we wanted because this is you know kind of a throwback era sort of record and he well, wanted it's called AM Gold. I mean, come on, yeah, right. yeah, right. So he knew exactly how to make that sound. And while we were <laughs> we were recording strings and horns, in comes Sting and shaggy together oh as like the dynamic duo and all of our minds were like because sting and rob mathis are very close friends Ah. and it was a wild vision and so they're and it ends up that shaggy and sting who are very different musically are very close friends yeah they go on tour together all the time yeah yeah they're making a they're making a frank sinatra record right now i think wow oh my god like all covers I think so. And Dude. Uh, it, how weird and awesome is that going to be? That's freaking awesome. I would buy that in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Hey. Um, well, and of course, you did your Led Zeppelin cover. Just quickly talk to me about the influence of Led Zeppelin in your music and, and what does sort of uh, Plant's voice mean to you? He meant, uh, Robert Plant was my, he was my musical hero. I just <laughs> thought, you know, so he was... He was the authenticity that I loved in rock musicians. Like he it was never pretentious. He, the British, it was probably because he was British and the Beatles were cool, but they were before me and Led Zeppelin was like, it really, really made a difference. So I just wanted to do that. Right. Uh, and the, the, the reason we recorded Led Zeppelin too is because, you know, Train as personnel has uh, gone throughout the years is entirely different than how he started. And I wanted people to see how talented the actual musicians were in my band at the time. And, and I wanted that to be heard in a way that people could understand. And uh, that's why we did that. And it was really cool because Led Zeppelin gave us their blessing and uh, we gave the money to our charity in San Francisco and it all worked out. Um, Let me just quickly ask you about voice, because as we see some of our, our heroes from the eighties and seventies getting older, their voice is not as strong in concert because they were they were singing so high and so the the, the range was incredible. Are you now some are aware of that when you make a record and say, okay, I gotta find a more middle voice so that in twenty years I can still perform this? Or do you not worry about that? And and sort of how do you keep your voice strong for performances? I drink as much wine as humanly possible, Good uh, and Good I'm plan. thinking that's why it's going well, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, the the real truth is I don't tell a lot of people, but a few years ago I had to have surgery because I did so much screaming right. that I ended up having uh, basically like calluses on, on both folds. He didn't call them folds. No. He called it scar tissue. Right. And so that had to be fixed. And that scared the bejesus out of me. Right, cause because it's kind of hit or miss, right? <laughs> that could have been the end of everything. And right. uh, yeah. I chose a, a brilliant guy from San Francisco and I owe him you know, my livelihood. But uh, he was very clear 
to say, if you want to not do this again, you have to figure out a better way to do this. So I've been trying to work on uh, a better way to warm up and I steam my vocal cords before I perform. And I try to be more mindful of, you can't just go out there and throw a hundred mile an hour fastball. You got to work right. out first. You need to stretch and be mindful. Does that affect your your songwriting in a sense, though, where you just say, okay, I, we, we can't write this song or use that word because I got to keep my voice within a certain range and I got to I got to be more delicate with what I do. Yeah, do you mean, have to be more conservative with the like with how I you're try writing? not to think that way because then I'm all of a sudden, you know, own head. thinking about the wrong stuff. Like right. I have to get the right song song first and then I can figure out how I'm going to do it live. Uh, but if I can do it once, that's all I need. You yeah. know what I mean? If you can hit that note once and you can record it, I mean, every pop artist in the world's doing it. I can just let somebody hit play, uh, you know, out there live if I need that. Yeah. Bring out the Pro Tools rig. Why not? Yeah, dog. <laughs> oh. see, see, Mitch, he's not yeah. anti-playback. I like it. I like Pat. Hey, if you, I mean, we use tracks, but it's it's never vocals. It's always, right. uh, you know, okay. string arrangements and things like that. That I, I, We don't really want to have 46 people on the stage right now. Right. That's it. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of people in the media these days that are critical of bands that are using tracks, and I don't have a problem with it. I think it just adds to the to the show, and I think it, right. you know, Mitch, we, we always say, you know, with the price of concert tickets these days, you know, fans expect the perfect show, and yeah. obviously you can't bring out a 56-piece orchestra. You, you need the tracks. Uh, I, I'm all about it. Well, it it, it depends on how old tracks. you are, too. I mean, if, right. if my 13-year-old and 10-year-old go to a concert with me, and it's a classic rock band, and they don't have all of the stuff their ears are used to hearing, they're going to look at me and be like, is everything okay up there? Like, it depends on how old you are. Because if you're my age, you want to hear a bass guitar, a drum kit, you know, uh, an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, and a piano, and then you're good. But if you're a kid, you need to hear, you know, all yeah, kinds yeah. of other Shazam stuff or, uh, or whatever. Yeah, you want to hear all the program beats and all the percussion right. and the synths and everything. But but it's important in this day and age that, that the show be perfect because because of Twitter and Facebook, if you go to the train show and it's a train wreck, pun intended, it's going to end up on Twitter. It's going to end up on Facebook. And yeah. then people down the road are going to go, well, I'm not going to go to that show. I'm not going to spend my 150 bucks on that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it has to be perfect. It's kind of the same with the national anthem and why I hate doing the national anthem so much. Because there's only two results. Yeah. I don't care. And you're a meme. Right. That's it. Those are the two. There's no in between. It's There's no gray. Yeah. But you've done the national anthem quite a bit. Uh, let me just quickly talk to you about uh, the Driver Dan story train. Wow. I haven't talked about this in a long time. I know. Uh, talk to me about doing work outside of being a rock singer, being in television, being a voiceover. Is that something that interests you where you'd want to at some point just go, you know what, I'm taking off a year and I'm just going to go be this Disney character? Yeah, I've already started to dig into uh, we uh, we made uh, we have a Christmas album called Christmas in Tahoe. So right. we delivered it to or we we brought it to Hallmark and we we're like, we're a perfect match if you can make a movie based on this album. They loved it, so we shot it, and my friend George Lopez was in it. 
And so we're trying to do another Hallmark movie where George and I are the main characters and we go on tour or whatever we do. That'd be awesome. Uh, so, but George is recording or he's, uh, he's filming right now the next Marvel movie, which I'm very excited uh, about for him. Ooh. But also, um, I am in the second draft of a musical. And that is, even though it's songwriting, it's very different and it's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, so I'm always trying to do something that's a little bit different. Uh, but eventually I have to create whatever it is. If, if I want to be a movie star, I got to go make a movie. Like this has just mm -hmm. been the way my career has gone. No one's, no one's looking for a middle aged white dude that is, you know, average at, uh, golf and you know can act okay uh, <laughs> there, there's plenty of those out there so i i have to be creative on my own if i yeah, want that kind of thing you're gonna love the musical process i'm friends with jim valance who wrote a musical with brian adams called oh, cool. pretty woman yeah and he said it was the absolute most horrific experience of his life because he would write a song and he would be finished and then he'd give it to the producer and the producer would say, it doesn't fit with this dance routine. You got to go rewrite it. And yeah, it yeah. drove him nuts. So yeah. uh, have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, it's it really is. Uh, it, you know, I don't have a big ego issue. Uh, right. I'm OK with notes. But let me tell you, the last set of notes pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say that. Yeah. Brian yeah. Adams said it was almost as bad as writing songs with Mutt Lang. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I like Brian. <laughs> I love Brian. Uh, well, there you go. Look, uh, let's. we got to wrap up here. AM Gold, new record from Train, coming out on May 20th. You can get it wherever you pick up your music. Of course, they're going to be hitting a row this summer. Make sure you go and catch them. Fantastic live band. Pat, it was so great to meet you and chat. We'll have to do this again. Best of luck yeah, with the record. Yeah, great to meet you guys. Uh, where, where do you record out of? You're obviously in different places. Where Montreal. Are you? Yeah, we're oh, in Montreal, wow, but cool. we're down the road from each other. So Great. We shot Christmas in Tahoe in Canada. We were in Vancouver and Whistler. It's oh, pretty nice. Wild. It's beautiful and, in there. And I'm really good friends with a bunch of the Kraken guys. So, uh, and because they can golf, like they're some of them are bangers. Nice. And uh, we we just golf together uh, because their season ended, and then they all flew home, and they're all Canadian. Yeah. And then sent me pictures of all the snow that they got to fly into. <laughs> they got they got murdered with snow when they got home. Oh, all the Kraken on the golf course, they'll join the Leafs. Yep. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Leafs in Boston. An all-new episode of the Mitch Lafon and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews. Bonus content. And episodes on demand now. Visit YouTube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch Lafon and at Jeremy White MTL.